Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Stato Joe podcast. I am Stato Joe, and I am joined by Luke Sherwin. Luke, happy Sunday or Monday for podcast listeners. How's it going? It's a lovely future Monday here. <laughs> um, I can tell it's going to be a lovely day. Got lots of work done, been very productive. Yeah, it's been good. Um, I had a lovely weekend, so that was nice. Uh, there's a lot of football on, so it's been yeah pretty solid. Can't really complain. What about you? Well, we had a probably one of the most intense games of five aside I've played in a long time yesterday in the rain. For some reason, the ball refused to stick to my feet. It just kept skidding off. I got very angry. May have kicked the wall in frustration numerous times. But and see, Joe, a... for me, for me, the ball also refused to stay on my foot because it was going into the back of the net so many times. Well, but, uh, we each have our own issues. I understand. Well, this this week, guys, we were actually in different teams. Uh, we weren't on the same team this week, and it was actually very close in the end. I think my team did we win by was it just the one goal? Just the one. Just the one was, goal. It was pretty close. It was a good game. Though, really good game. Really good game. Really competitive. Thankfully, thought it was going to be really windy. Thought it was going to be really rainy because mm. when we were on the way there, it's pretty miserable. The morning of was pretty miserable. But thankfully, where we were playing at Stormont is very well sheltered, so that helps big time. It was it was great. I had a great time, and then I've just been studying for my my first exams on Tuesday, so I've been studying for that. But I can't complain apart from that, really. Um, no, you just stuck just stuck inside, really, which isn't ideal, but sure. Well, I actually got out today to play spike ball, uh, which nice. was really nice. It was a really good nice. time. I, I played a bit of spike ball with a few others uh, down in Ormwell Park, which was great. And um, yeah, can't complain. Sounds good. Sounds good. At least you got out for some activity. I flipped them. Just about got on my pajamas today. Anyway, <laughs> um, as you guys know, in the intro section, me and Luke will answer a question that you've sent in. And I took to Twitter and I took to Instagram today to ask for some of your questions. And we did get a good few responses. I think we got four responses, which is great. So absolutely love to see it. We will be answering one question per podcast. So if your question isn't answered today, that doesn't mean we've ignored it. That means we will probably use your question in the next two or three podcast time. The first question that we got, and that's the first question that we're going to answer today, came on Instagram from Stuart McKim, Stuart who uh, regularly gets involved in a lot of our things. And he asks, Luke, what's your favorite team to hate in world football? No, Joe, this is a difficult question because I I seem to find myself hating a lot of teams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm very indifferent to a lot of teams, but also really do hate some teams. So I'll start off by saying Stoke fans obviously hate Port Vale, so hate Port Vale, that's fine. Um, but Stoke fans also have a hatred of Arsenal. But I need to go on record and say that I don't hate Arsenal. Okay. And it kind of, it makes me feel isolated a little bit from actual you know, ultras in the Stoke City fan base because they all notoriously hate Arsenal, all stemming back to that time one of our players broke one of their players' legs. And, of course, <laughs> we then hate them. Uh, I've never really understood that, but there's also a bit of a hatred towards Arsene Wenger because he used to slag off us playing all that rugby instead of football. So, obviously, we got annoyed, despite the fact, you know, we would stick in a few dumb tackles. But it's fine. So, I don't, uh, I don't hate Arsenal. Um, but one team, this is going to be controversial. One team I really hate at the moment is Leeds. Like I cannot stand Leeds United. Ooh. They they honestly epitomise everything I hate about football, um, and I don't know why. <laughs> I 
I think <laughs> I think part of the reason I hate them so much is just because obviously still could be in the championship and stuff and know how difficult it is to go out. So it's almost jealousy, I reckon, that yeah. they finally made it back out again. But I also just hate how many people are in love with Leeds this season before they even came up. The ridiculous people saying, Oh, Leeds are gonna finish seventh. And I was like, Are you serious? Leeds have come they're not gonna fit yes, they're in ninth currently, which is a phenomenal performance. Mm-hmm. But to think that they would get seventh ludicrous there's people who are just hopping on that bandwagon i know dan stewart put in a few questions as well yeah. on twitter we'll talk about he's a leeds fan. we'll talk about and those in the future we will i know he's a leeds fan and if he listens to this he's probably going to be disgusted and dan i'm sorry <laughs> but i hate leeds united um, and i love to hit them because everybody else loves them everybody loves what is going on there everyone loves bielsa ball apart from stuart dallas i would be okay if every single player in that team Went off to League Two and never came back again. Oh wow! I also I'll throw in a bonus one. I also really hate Real Madrid. I cannot stand Real Madrid with a passion. Obviously, in the past, I've said I have a soft spot for Barcelona, and so that makes sense. You know, they're the rivals, and so I just I I just hate everything that they do as well. Perez, absolute idiot. I hate how Zidane's got so many plaudits despite the fact that he's not that good. I hate. The fact that Karen Benzema, well, no, I like Karen Benzema now because he's done well this season. I've got to give him credit. But before this season, he didn't deserve to be anywhere near Real Madrid. And I just, oh, I can't stand Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, my day. I could go off for days, too. I, Leeds United and Real Madrid are two teams in world football that I would happily see disband. What about you, Joe? So, obviously, as a Newcastle fan, I'm supposed to hate Sunderland, right? Yes. The thing is, for the last five seasons or however long it's been, I couldn't care less because they're in League One. And to be honest, how can you hate a team that you get to watch a documentary of their whole demise on Netflix? <laughs> For me, you just that's something that I love to see. Great um, documentary. Really great documentary. Really great documentary. Fantastic. I mean, I loved it even more so. Um, but because sure, the whole point, it was supposed to be like, wow, they're going to go back to the Premier League. And then they actually got relegated to League One. And I was just, oh, absolute great. scenes. Great for um, I also struggle to like Liverpool, and that's mainly because of some of their fan base who make everything Liverpool do so much more than it actually is. Like, I don't. We might end up talking about this in the main show, but the way people were going on about Liverpool beating Southampton two 0 last night, I was like, "Oh my days!" Like Southampton have only won three in their last twenty-one. Like, it's really not that big an achievement. To be uh, fair, Joe, so it's massive to get a win over your reserves, isn't it? It's true, that's true. It is it's big. But for me, my biggest hatred of any football team is Linfield, because I am a massive Glen Torrance <laughs> fan. And I absolutely despise the blues with everything I have. And I blame my grandpa for that because he brought me up as a Glens fan and he's brought me up to always hate the blues. But there's nothing more than a love hate relationship with the Windsor Park. I live I live very, very close to Windsor Park. Sometimes I want to spit on it. Sometimes I want to celebrate it. It is a love-hate relationship because of Northern Ireland. And Joe, I've got a real confession to make here too. Oh, no. Um, about Linfield in, in particular. I am actually going for coffee this week with a Linfield player. Who? Um, I don't know if I can divulge that information, you know, for fear of being swarmed. But uh, he, he's just moved over. He's a Scottish man. But he has also just started going to our church. 
And so I am. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to be going for coffee with him this week. So if you need me to stab him or something, just let me know. But or, I don't think I can. I think I'm going to have to just, you know, have a conversation with him and, and be a nice guy. Sorry. Get him on the pod. Also, uh, was talking to a man this morning, Bobby Burns. Yeah. He was on loan at Glentoran. Was chatting to him this morning. Nice. You know, just name dropping all these, you know, nice. celebrities that, wow. that I've been chatting to. Bobby Burns was chatting to him this morning. Um, obviously, broken leg, so hasn't been playing in a while. Mm-hmm. We'll be heading back to Barrow in League Two. So, lovely guy. They're all the same. Lovely guy. So, Stuart, thank you for your question. We, we really do. We really have shown a, a dark side to our personalities and our <laughs> and our hatred towards clubs. But today's podcast, the Monday podcast, which actually look has been when I look at the uh, the plays and things, the Monday podcast always seems to be our most popular. So hopefully we can deliver just as good a show as always. And today we are going to be talking about Tuchel's unbeating record for Chelsea against Guardiola. And will Liverpool reach top four? Enjoy the show, and we'll chat to you in the outro. See you there. There's only one place to start, really, and that's with yesterday's Champions League warm-up. Look, chat us through Man City 1, Chelsea 2. Well, Joe, the main talking point about Man City 1, Chelsea 2 is that it's Thomas 2, Schill, Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola. Super. There we go. It's 2-0 to Thomas Tuchel in head-to-head competition against Pep Guardiola since he's joined Uh Chelsea. Since there's been a Manchester and City rivalry. Uh, or a Manchester and Chelsea rivalry. It's 2-0 to Thomas Tuchel in the FA Cup semi-final, now in the Premier League. And the big talking point is, will that stay the same when it comes to the Champions League final? Mm. The most important game, arguably, of all of those. Pep didn't care that much about the FA Cup. Um, He still wanted to win it, obviously, but it's not the end of the world. League-wise, it's all but wrapped up, so it doesn't matter too much. But Champions League is the big one. Champions League is massive. And so before even talking about the game, Joe, do you think that this plays any part in the Champions League final? Do you think this 2-0 lead counts or do you think it's purely media speculation? Well, I think that yesterday neither manager wanted to do anything. They didn't want to show anything. They didn't play their strongest teams. Um and that came across. Now, what I do think, and what I agree heavily with, is that coming into this final, Man City are under a heck of a lot more pressure than Chelsea are. They've never won the Champions League. Guardiola was brought in, I would say, to win them the Champions League. Obviously, win other trophies. It wasn't just to win the Champions League. But as main, he, he was brought in to win the Champions League. If they lose, which they could, then that's another failure in the Champions League, so that'll be really interesting. Um, as for yesterday, I do think there's a bit of a psychological advantage there with um, Tuchel being 2-0 up. I do think it makes a massive difference, um, especially because Guardiola's never beaten them. And the, I mean, they've played, well, in this kind of setup, and they've played twice now. 
in the last like three months, if even. So it's going to be interesting to see. It was a weird game, though, wasn't it? it really, it was quite quite strange. It was an odd game because, as you noted earlier, neither team really played full strength, which was interesting. They played semi-full strength. It wasn't completely rotated. Um, from a Man City standpoint, you know, there's a lot of good players still on the pitch. Like every player out there is still really, really good and still decently experienced. Just a few interesting choices. But the main talking point from a Man City perspective is the formation change. Hmm. They played with a, a three slash five at the back. People would say they're exactly the same. And I would agree. They're one and the same, really. Um, except with yeah, pushing on fullbacks, you would argue it's more of a three. You start. Ruben Diaz, you start Nathan Ake, and you start, he is Eric Laporte at the back. Um, all three of them are playing with Mendy and Cancelo. So you've got really good defensive line. Then in midfield, it was a bit random because they had Rodri, Ferran Torres, and Sterling <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of as their middle-ish players with Aguero and, and Jesus up top. He's played both Jesus and Aguero in a few games. Not Well, against West Brom there recently, he did exactly the same, but with a 4-4-2. And in this game, it was an interesting choice. I thought Rodri made sense. But Ferran Torres and Sterling to play kind of creatively in the middle, bit strange. Um, so that was a, an interesting one. Do you think it worked? Mm, I don't... I mean, I feel like he didn't really care if it worked or not. Um, I thought it was overall scrappy from, from City. Arguably, Sterling should have been sent off um early on uh i did i did not like that challenge myself uh i think it was one of those ones again like like the share one last week if it hadn't been a red it wouldn't have been overturned for a yellow and i think it was a yellow and it wasn't overturned for a red it was one of those it was right in the middle i think directly yeah, in between aguero uh doesn't really seem the same player and i'm not i'm not just talking about the penalty his touch that led to Sterling's goal was so uncharacteristic uh, of him. And Jesus was a bit of a passenger at times. He gave the ball away very easily, uh, multiple times. In fact, he gave away the ball, I think. Did, did it lead to a Chelsea goal or did it lead to a Chelsea chance? I can't remember now. I just remember, I know oh, it was a chance. He just gave away the ball very, very early on. But uh, yeah. that is not the team you're going to see the Champions League final, like... It's not. It's City had made like a fair. Was it nine? Was it nine changes? Uh, I think Chelsea had made a fair few changes. Um, but yeah, like just it was. It was actually for for what the teams were. Still a decent game. It was essentially your two second, not fully second string teams, but essentially that was kind of the case. I actually yeah. thought Werner played okay. He's just a bit lazy, and that's maybe his main problem. Do you think? Um. Yeah, potentially. And um, before I touch on Werner, I'll just say with the Man City team, I think they were the better team, arguably in the first half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they should have been two, if not yeah, two nil up at halftime. They should have been. Um, I feel it for Aguero because I feel like at this stage, you mentioned obviously Jesus looking at a passenger, mm-hmm. but speaking of passenger, I think it's the case of you only know you love him when you let him go. Aguero, whenever he goes. Whenever Aguero goes, I think the City fans will rightfully appreciate him for everything that he is. But right now, he's not a world-class striker like he used to be. And so they do need to let him go, in which he obviously is. But yesterday, yeah, you're right. He looks sluggish. 
Man City, solid, fair enough. Like, like they, they did really well in the first half. They did everything they needed to do. They made decent enough chances. It was it was grand. Um, it, yeah, it was experimental there. Uh, Josh has said um, that it was an experimental side, and I think you're right. He wanted to see how that formation would work against what he knows Tuchel is going to play. Tuchel is always going to play this system in the Champions League final, and so why not test out a formation that he hasn't used already to see if it does any better? And based on that first-half performance, I would arguably start with this in in the first half of the Champions League, play that way, and then switch it at half time, bring back the false nine and and whatnot. But you would just have to use slightly different players to make that work. For Chelsea perspective, you said you mentioned Werner. I didn't think he had a great game personally. <laughs> I thought I thought he just wasn't you know quite with the races at the races. Billy Gilmore starting was lovely. Love mm-hmm. that. Really like Billy Gilmore, but he had a bad game. <laughs> he he didn't do what Jorginho normally does in kind of make the link between defence and attack. He was a little bit lacking alongside Kante. Um, I really like him and he's got a massive future in the game, but I think yesterday he was lacking a little bit. And Christensen had a really bad game yesterday. Yeah, he did yeah, not. Sure. It, it pains me to say I love the Danes. I love the I love everything about Denmark, but I I thought he was terrible. Um, so yeah, it was an interesting clash of heads, very similar systems, but City did it in the first half, but then Chelsea came out in the second half and played a lot better. And that that is reflected in in the stats. Um, certainly going through them, if if I was to look at the overall picture uh, from a stats point of view, they look relatively even. Um, from an overall game point of view, City kind of edging. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the main kind of big stats in inverted commas, um, but certainly by half from a half by half breakdown point of view, the first half was kind of cities. You know they had a bit more possession than Chelsea, edged had more shots. Uh, Chelsea only managed one shot on target in the, the first half. Obviously that doesn't include any disallowed goals or anything like that. Um, didn't have a court. Chelsea didn't have any corners. So they had four. Uh, and obviously they missed their one big chance that they missed was Aguero's penalty, um, which you know you have to say was it looks good when you get it right, <laughs> but when you don't get it right, you look an absolute twit. Uh, and Mendy really should be commended for not committing, but it was a silly decision. Let's put it that way. It's it's a really frustrating one from a Man City perspective because you see those happen so many times and nine to ten they go in and mm-hmm. and it's fine because the keeper does commit but in this case he probably should have noticed that the keeper wasn't going and then just slid into the right hand side and he would have scored nobody would have talked about it but yeah he chips it down the middle and Mendy manages to regroup quick enough because he has dived but he didn't go very mm-hmm. far. He gets up and just casually with his left hand, not even two hands, just his left hand catches the ball. It totally mugs him off. <laughs> he absolutely does. It was ballsy from him. Um, and I, I loved it. But I do feel for Aguero there because, you know, if that goes in, then everyone's like, wow, Aguero, he's back. He's unbelievable, do you know? Uh, but in this case, it just didn't quite go for him. And it's funny because I don't think, I don't remember ever in a Premier League season, there being a missed Panenka. And now this is the second one that we've had this season, because, of course, both of which have had serious ramifications for the, the team, because 
Lukman missed like a last minute penalty for Fulham. I think and that was was it a win or a draw? Was it to win? I think it was to win. And he drew with West Ham. And then Aguero's missed a penalty today and ultimately City have lost. Uh there's a combination of things, and we will get into those things that have maybe led to their defeat because I, d- I do think they were very unfortunate to not get a second penalty. Uh, but anyway, we'll look at the stats first and then we'll dive into the overall story of the match. Um, so that first half was really cities. As you said, look earlier on, you know, they played really well um, and, and they looked good. And Christensen came off at half time because Thomas Tuchel was not having it. Uh, they brought on Zuma and the second half was completely different. Chelsea had 60% possession to City's 40. City still had more shots, but only managed one shot on target. They had nine shots, one on target. Chelsea had six shots and four on target, which is what you do love to see, really, is that kind of level from shots on target to shots, even corners. But Chelsea had one big chance. They missed it, but also did score. They scored... The first goal was good. The second goal was uh, entirely fortunate in terms of hitting off both legs. Both teams managed great passing accuracies, both in the 90s. Oh, oh my goodness. That is... I just need to calm down a wee second here. That's, it's delightful viewing. It really oh, is. It, you do, you do love to see it. You really do. And and yeah, that was kind of the overall story. Is there a look sure man of the match for this game? <laughs> look sure man of the match for this game. Probably just has to go to Hakim Ziyech. I think the the way he took his goal was was great. Like he, everything about that goal is really really nice. It's mm. a lovely goal to watch over and over again from a neutral standpoint. Especially getting them back into the game, which is massive. To have the composure to be able to do that at that time to get them level was great for them. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, they went went on to win thanks to a fortunate goal. But I thought Hakim Ziyech played a really solid game of football so fair play to him um so you're saying <laughs> so what you're saying is that Hakim Ziyech could do it on a wet and windy night at Stoke City I'm saying Hakim Ziyech could do it on a cold wet Tuesday night at Stoke fair play but to the what, lad what praise what praise Andy there very cheekily has suggested no I don't know which shot he's referring to I hope he's referring to the Ziyech shot he said that one of the shots whether that's Aguero, whether that's Alonso or whether that's the edge, was a Luke Sherwin shot. Now, for people who know Luke Sherwin, you can decide for yourself which <laughs> one that's referring to. Well, no, I, not just people that know me, but people that have actually played football with me. I'll respect them. If they, yeah, they just know me and are making assumptions, they know. Um, but, Drew, I think looking at the second half statistics, nine shots, one on target for Man City just isn't quite good enough. Mm-hmm. It's, it's poor. Um, they... They are playing with arguably two really good strikers on the pitch of Aguero and Gabriel Jesus. Gabriel Jesus, I don't think, managed a single shot on target in the game. He had one shot off target and two blocked. And for a player like Gabriel Jesus, you maybe are seeing why Pep Guardiola doesn't trust him to be a starting number nine. Aguero Mm -hmm. managed two shots on target, one of which was the, the penalty. And so you're playing a system with two strikers and you're managing one shot on target for that. Oof, if I'm a Man City fan, I'm concerned about that. And it's not like playing Kevin De Bruyne false nine is really going to improve yeah. the accuracy because his accuracy this season has been really bad. What concerns me more, actually, is Jesus's, like satisfaction with being um, 
a second string striker. Like whenever he came in, people were like, "Oh, this guy's going to be," you know, he will learn under Aguero and then kind of take over, right? He'll, he'll progress, he'll advance his game. He just seems content now to take the money and just play. And that I've I've heard debates about now that Neymar signed a new contract with uh, PSG. Is there a different mindset with the Brazilian players in terms of, you know, is it about just being as getting them as much money as possible rather than going to clubs for a challenge or for game time or success? I just think it is strange that he just could do well at a could like if he went to a club that was at a Europa League level, he could maybe do something and then maybe get better and better and then go back to the top team. I just think you're kind of wasting your career by sitting on the bench at City. And then when you come on, you're not playing well. You know, that's yeah, kind of a worry for me. He probably could do a job if he went to a Spanish team. The likes of mm. Villarreal. Although I hope he doesn't go to Villarreal because of <laughs> Al- Alcacer. I feel like he would be harshly done by in that case. And Moreno as well. But you know what I mean? That type of club in Spain, I think he would probably be, be better in that. Um, I think you're absolutely right there, Josh, saying that they won't be starting. I, I, de- I think Kevin De Bruyne starts as a false nine. For them as he has done in important Champions League games mm. um it's it's an interesting one because he obviously knows Aguero isn't fit and isn't the same player he was and he knows Jesus just can't quite cut it and um, but yeah I feel I feel for Man City fans in a way but also I don't at all because they have enough money that they could just go out and buy one if they want so yeah and that's it but then with City losing that meant the title party was delayed by another week. United fans, all of a sudden, they're going, we can do it, we can win the league. You know, no, I'm, I'm, I am only joking. I've, I haven't heard a single United fan say that once. Um, but it does mean that the Premier League title could be won at St James's Park next week when Lever City travel to Newcastle, uh, which would be the first time since the 70s, I believe, that the league title has been won at St James's Park. Uh, the Premier League title that is will not include the championship because you know Newcastle have done that twice and uh, for that to be the only trophy that we've I do won. think City, City have wanted to do that. I think all season yeah. they've they've hoped we'll wrap it up here in game number thirty six or thirty five. Yeah. We'll uh, or thirty yeah thirty six. We'll get we'll get it wrapped up at St James's Park because there's nothing more prestigious, you know. And um, I thank them. I thank them for that. Pep will be sitting there saying, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. as they go to St. James's Park next week. So so that'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but with that then, what we did see was uh, Manchester United beat Aston Villa today. Uh, 3-1 with a classic Manchester United performance of let's not show up until after half time. How about let's play poorly in the first half? Uh, to be fair, Tari scored a screamer. Like That was a great goal. And then uh, in the second half, let's just go out and let's, you know, let's get a bit of, let's get a penalty. Let's get a bit, let's get a red card for the other team and let Cavani score. And so it was pretty, it was united by numbers really today, wasn't it? Routine. Absolutely routine. If any of you out there have any thoughts about it, feel free to join us on stream. We're doing a lovely phone in if you want to hear uh, if we you want us to hear your thoughts and to get them out to the millions listening around the world, click on those links in the chat. But it was United through and through today. It was absolutely trademark from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It was, uh, we will start the game. We'll probably not show up for the first 10 minutes. And then 
Bruno Fernandes is getting penalty, his 21st or something of the season, which mm-hmm. is mad. And then Greenwood will score what I... So he did really well to block Tyron Mings. But if mm-hmm. I'm Tyron Mings, I'm annoyed at myself. Terrible Someone's defending. Terrible. Really Someone's bad terrible. defending. If I'm any other Villa player, I'm looking, that's Tyron Mings, our best centre-back. And he's he's completely stood off. I get why, because penalties in this game are so, so flippant. But really poor defending and then Cavani's goal was just trademark Cavani um mm. but yeah fair play to United they got the job done um I didn't expect any less to be fair Villa haven't looked the same team without Grealish I think he's been a big loss they've been decent enough at times like what was it last weekend uh the game against Everton I thought they'd be really good um they played really well and then yeah they cap off the, their poor performance with Ollie Watkins going and Getting sent off for a second yellow for a dive. So that and then, was... And then he was complaining about it. And I was like... And then he was like having a go at Dean Henderson. And I was like, why, what? Like, why are you having a go at Dean Henderson? Dean Henderson didn't touch you. You've gone yeah. down. Maybe he forgot he was on a yellow card. I, like, I, you know, surely you can't be so silly as to think I'll get away with this. Especially with VAR. There's no way you're getting away with it. There's no way. Just not happening. Um, I, I think it's one of those ones though where I don't know if he dived. He went down with no contact, yes, but I don't. I don't know if he was looking for anything. I think in the back of the mind, he was, he was maybe hopeful that something was to happen. Mm. But I, I genuinely think he just kind of went down naturally. And so I do think it was a little bit harsh. But yeah, then the way he got on about it afterwards probably wasn't good for him. Just, just a silly red car. I mean, the the only upside is it was two yellows so only misses one game. Um, but you know, just silly decision making, and yes, Villa are even without Grealish are a better team than they were last season. You know when they just about stayed up. Uh, I mean they only stayed up because of a faulty goal line technology decision at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, I think they're definitely a better team. I've heard apparently that Grealish has shin splints, so. Apparently, the reason that he's he's, he's never going to play many games a season, apparently, because he struggles with it, and that's why he's currently out at the minute. Um, so I don't know if anyone would actually want to sign him then, because if you have a player like that in your squad, is it worth it for Villa? Perfect. If he plays half a season and he has saved you from relegation, then... But I don't know. To be fair, but, there's two teams in the Premier League that that works with, and it's Man City and Chelsea because they mm-hmm. both have squads deep enough that you don't need to play that many games, especially in a normal season where games aren't as thick and fast as they are this season. Yeah, um, what is a hectic schedule? But you look at Man City squad. You know, Kevin De Bruyne didn't play today. Phil Foden didn't play today. You can rest players. You've got the likes of Mares, Bernardo Silva, Foden, Sterling, Ferran Torres. There's so many wingers. If you brought in Jack Grealish, you know he could play. Play every other game. He could play every mm. uh, once every three games if he needed to. And the same with Chelsea with Pulisic, Ziyech, Werner, Mount, uh, Hudson Odoi, all these other uh, Tommy Abraham and all the likes. So he he could do a job there, but I don't think that they're looking to sign him. No. To be fair, because he'll be expensive. Again, as we've touched on before, City rarely go for players that most people are kind of going after. They kind of go after players under the radar a little bit. Um, but yeah. That leaves the Premier League table looking interesting. City have pretty much wrapped up, you know, the the league, the game against uh, the game of United Liverpool on Thursday night decides 
that effectively. Um, and maybe we'll give some United fans hope, but City will obviously win the league. But that puts an interesting um, place for Chelsea, having beaten um, Man City, because they moved up to third, with Leicester mm. dropping down to fourth. I'll just briefly touch on Leicester. Um, let's not make a brief. Let's not make a brief. Eh? Let's uh, draw this out as long as we can. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, let's briefly touch on Leicester, because uh, I wouldn't like you to get too big-headed, Jim. Uh, but... <laughs> Leicester and Newcastle played a game of football on Friday night and Newcastle scored four goals before Leicester scored a single goal. How on earth has that happened, Jim? I have said time and time again we are playing a far better style of football since international break. Uh, I don't think I ever thought we'd score four against Leicester. Let's, you know, I did say, was it in the podcast? Maybe it was in the main show, that... Because Newcastle play on Friday, out of a time to recover from losing six 0 to Leicester, but Newcastle were the better. In fact, it should have been five. So Maxman missed an absolute setter, and uh, I, yeah, oh, watching that game, oh, it was just so good. It was honestly so refreshing to watch, and we are playing a far better style of football. Attacking wise, we don't sit deep the same way that we used to. We actually were pressing them, and also part of it as well. Leicester's line was disgustingly high. Like, what well, I mean, it was silly, it was nonsense. But Joe the Pilagwillick scoring again that is, was it fifth? Wait, fifth, yeah, it's fifth. He's actually, um. The, the Arsenal player to score the most goals since he left the club in February. So uh, that's a good stat for, for everyone out there. And uh, I think he's a, he's the first person for Newcastle to score in four games in a row since Papi Cissé in 2012. So we do love ourselves, Joe Willock. Um, Callum Wilson scoring two as well. What a signing that's turned out to be. He, he has only got 12 in the Premier League, but he was injured for a lot of that. And he does seem to love to score two in a single game. Very rarely does he only score one. He likes to get two, but uh, I can't. You know, we're pretty much safe. I mean, it's like if I was if I was right now, I'd be saying if we if we do go down, I'll get Leicester tattooed in my body somewhere. I'm not confident that we won't go down. I think we're fine. Fulham play tomorrow night, and that's if they don't win, uh, that's the relegation zone sorted because West Brom are currently losing two 0 to Arsenal. Um, yeah. They'll, they've done a, an absolute um, Steve Bruce masterclass and having 32% possession in the game and scoring four goals with only six shots on target. You know, fair play in Newcastle. Clinical, some would describe it as. And that's without Andy Carroll and Dwight Gale starting. So that's a strange one. Um, but the main issue you'll find, obviously, for Leicester was that Johnny Evans didn't play. Um, oh. So she had a really bad game. Just didn't read it at all. Did not read the game well. Didn't look like he he was playing the game, really. <laughs> he was a passenger. Casper <laughs> um, Schmeichel had a bad game. Castagne, I think, had his first proper bad game for Leicester. Mm-hmm. He hasn't had that many shockers, but I thought in this, especially for Callum Wilson's goal, um, he looked really just out of sorts. Um, yep. he, he, he was gone past. Callum Wilson obviously had the pace. He's a quick player. And yeah, it was just poor from Leicester defensively. Ihinacho scored. That was good. Jamie Vardy had a solid enough game. 
James Madison had a solid enough game, um, but I think that's potentially inflated by the fact that they managed to get two back. Had it been 4-0, then, yeah, Leicester would have just looked really bad on the night. I was actually really, really nervous. I was like, surely there's no way we're going to lose a 4-0. Uh, like, we're going to draw 4-4. I thought we were. Only once in history has a team been 4-0 up, not won the game, and that was when Arsenal were 4-0 up at halftime. And Newcastle came back to draw the game 4-4. All these facts, all these stats, it all leads back to Newcastle upon time. So speaking of Leicester, Leicester are doing their annual bottle job, um, which you you true well, sorry, let me put it this way. Brendan Rogers is doing his uh, standard annual bottle job, uh, which is sad to see. Are you but, trying uh, to tell me that, <laughs> that he him winning the league in Celtic basically is just an anomaly? Uh, because you know you can't bottle the league when you're Celtic manager. Are you you trying to tell me that he normally bottles everything and that he shouldn't be, you know, praised that much? No, I'm joking. I think I think he's a good manager, but I, I'm concerned by how much he bottles it. In with Liverpool, obviously you look at the players and you blame them. With Steven Gerrard falling over, you know Steven Gerrard and an average Liverpool player that never really got going. So fair enough. But uh, with Leicester these last two seasons, it's been concerning how comfortable they seem to have been or seem to have been and then they haven't managed to get top four last season and this season it looks in my eyes like they're not going to because they've got really difficult games it's like you get to the final boss in the game and you you're you're all sorted and you're fine right but then you play it really really defensively and nervously and then you die this is exactly what like Leicester have like all Leicester are there they've got everything they need They've got all the tools. They should easily beat the final boss. But no, they're going to cave. Yeah, well, now for them, their their final boss looks like United. Then Chelsea. Potentially, but potentially not. Uh, United, then Chelsea. Mm -hmm. We don't really lose. And then Tottenham. Those are are difficult games. And so it kind of, it makes you wonder who is going to finish in the top four. Are Leicester going to finish in the top four, or will West Ham or Liverpool sneak in? And that's the second big topic of today's show. It's all about will Liverpool reach top four. Now, Josh is a Liverpool fan himself, so there's disgusting bias here, but uh, no, we're joking. He says um, they'll go down to the final day of the season between Liverpool and Leicester on the final day for fourth place. Leicester will lose against United and Chelsea, which sends it the final day. Uh, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think that is a big possibility. The only thing I think that works in Leicester's favour is that they play United on Tuesday, which is essentially the game that, because United won today and they've secured Champions League, they don't need to worry about... Um, well, with West Ham losing, they secured Champions League. And so they don't need to... They could rest players on Tuesday for the game against Liverpool on Thursday... And so Leicester might get some sort of result. Uh, At this stage, why would they? Because the Liverpool game effectively doesn't mean anything if they lose against Leicester, because then City will have won the league if they lose against Leicester. And so there's a a weird balance here of neither game really means anything for United, realistically. So why not play your full-strength team against Mm. Leicester uh, on Tuesday night and then try and just play as full strength as you can on Thursday night 
and try and win them both. Like if United, the only thing United can do in the Premier League now is win all four of their games and hope that Man City draw two and lose two, and that United score enough goals <laughs> to yeah. overtake the goal difference. So for me, United standpoint, it's actually quite difficult. Um, Liverpool have an easier run in, absolutely. They play United and then they play West Brom, which is a guaranteed win. They play Burnley, which is probably a guaranteed win. And then they play Crystal Palace, who have absolutely nothing to play for on mm. the final day. So you you probably are backing Liverpool in the running. Yeah, I like yeah. Um, even if Liverpool lose against United or get a draw or something, they'll have enough games realistically to overtake. But that in itself is kind of... If they were losing against United, then that means West Ham are probably still in it. Mm. Because then West Ham are still technically above them. And yep. West Ham's running looks like Brighton, which isn't an easy game, but Brighton fell apart today. Then West Brom, <laughs> which they should win. And then Southampton, who have nothing really to play for effectively. Mm-hmm. So West Ham and, and Liverpool have the easier run-ins. But will Leicester be able to hold on? I'm not sure. I honestly would be, I part of me would genuinely be gutted if Leicester bottled it because they just, I just feel sorry for them or something, you know? Like they, they, right, they seriously don't have any right to have been challenging for top four for two seasons in a row, right? They don't. Like, let's just let's just categorically say right now that even being there is a massive achievement, right? So fair play, because they don't have any right to be there. But it is becoming more and more realistic that actually Liverpool will manage to pull out of the bag. I will, however, find it quite funny if they don't by like a point, and then that will all be been because of Newcastle's ninety-fifth minute equaliser. Uh, and I will, I will laugh for weeks and weeks, and I'll hold up my Newcastle shirt with pride, and I'll be like, "Ha ha ha! We prevented you from getting to the Champions League." And I'll be like, "Yes, let's go, let's." Go. <laughs> in, a, in a hilarious turn of events, if somehow Everton managed to overtake Liverpool, which isn't entirely out of the realm of possibility, they're only two points behind. Jordan Pickford will be hailed as an Everton hero for injuring Virgil best- Van Dijk. Best keeper ever. Best keeper. Ah, don't get me started. We'll maybe chat about that in the future at some stage by England squads. But Jordan Pickford will probably get a statue outside Goodison Park because he's the man that injured Virgil van Dijk and potentially allowed them to finish above Liverpool. But um, yeah, I, I do. I do think it's realistic for Liverpool to get it. I I reckon that it'll be a draw on Thursday night, which will take them above West Ham. Um, so then they'll be sitting in fifth. And then five points in it with three games to go. I don't know how many. I don't think Leicester get any points against Chelsea. I don't nope. think they'll get any points against United. Or they might get a draw against United. Like, I, I reckon they'll beat Tottenham, though. I, I could see them beating Tottenham. And if they were to beat Same. Tottenham and get a, a point, then that would be 67. Liverpool would just then need to win all three of their games and hope they get a better goal difference. It's exciting. It's nice. I like a final day that has has something to play for. Here's mm-hmm. hoping United do win a couple of games and then City 
lose two players and then it, it comes down to the final day as well. <laughs> like that would be exciting too. If Team Newcastle beat City again, oh oh my goodness. It would just be like it would be oh the United fans really will we go like, oh we could actually do this. Like we might actually we might actually get it. But uh exactly. no, I think I, I, last week was it last week that you'd asked me about top four and I had said it'll just be the top four that are there currently. No, I'm not so sure. I'm really not. You would have thought that Leicester should have won on Friday night, but they didn't. They have the FA Cup final this week. So actually they might end up resting players on Tuesday. So but they might not. Like this is the thing. They've every game is like is now a cup final for Leicester. Every single game is a cup final. Like they have to win. So but then last night then Liverpool beat Southampton 2 0. And I have I will happily publicly say, and I've said it in the intro of the podcast, and I'll say it now as well, that sometimes Liverpool fans have a tendency to make things seem so much better than they actually are. Right? And last night it was as if they had won the Champions League or like Thiago scored, it was like Oh, Tiago! Oh, like this. And I was going, honestly, it is not that big a deal. Let me just tell you straight out that Southampton have won three of their last 21 games. Three of their last 21. That's like Sheffield United form. So, I mean, did you see any of the game last night? Because I saw, I watched the match today for the highlights. And yeah, I watched, highlights... I watched most of the game. I watched most of the game and um, saw like all the main. The points saw both goals um everything i think i only missed maybe the first 10 minutes of the game or something like that and um, manny's goal was really well taken it's nice to see him score a goal obviously it wasn't with his feet because he's technically terrible but um it, he yeah i was happy for him to score in some in some manner he's obviously a really good player but confidence mm-hmm. at the moment is very very low but yeah southampton didn't really look like doing anything at, at any point and the only time southampton looked like scoring a goal was whenever Allison handed it to them, <laughs> whenever Allison directly gave it straight to them, or whenever there was a Liverpool mistake. Other than that, Southampton didn't didn't look like doing anything. Che Adams had a great opportunity because Allison gave it to him, and mm-hmm. then managed to the other end of the pitch and scored. So that was good. Thiago coming on and scoring, yeah, fair play to him. He scored a goal finally when you cost that much money, and whenever you're heralded as one of the world's best central midfielders, you you can't be getting excited about him scoring a goal against a really average Southampton team at this stage in the season. He should have done it ages ago. The fact that he hadn't is really, really poor. Liverpool fans, if I were you, I'd be concerned still. I don't think you should be loving life because, yes, Van Dijk's injured. Yes, Joan Gomez is injured. And, yes, Phillips and Williams did well last night to keep a clean sheet. Happy days. But going forward, you still look so lacklustre. In, in everything that happens with my housemates are Liverpool fans and so I've watched a lot of Liverpool football this year and I've hated every single second of it it is so boring it is so boring to watch because they'll pass around for a bit and then Mane will miss kick it, or they'll pass around for a bit and then Salah will make a mistake as well, Diogo Jota coming back has been fantastic he's a really good direct player part of me would love to see him and the Ox play together because they're both ridiculously direct I'd love to see what would happen in that case. Um, but yeah, Liverpool Liverpool need to just keep getting results, even if they're not pretty. I need to stop watching Liverpool games because they're making me unhappy. But 
they probably will get top four. It's a very important thing. Um, although if they don't, I think they could win the Europa League next season, which wouldn't be a bad thing. Mm. What's crazy to me is that Salah has scored 20 Premier League goals, and yet I have never seen someone miss so many chances and, and score that many goals in my life. He frustrates me, and he, he plays Liverpool, so I, like, I really shouldn't care. But, like, oh, I just I don't get it. How can... I just, nah, I don't, I don't understand how he can miss so many chances and then score chances he's got no right to score. This is what why he confuses he confuses me so much because he scores goals that no one else can score and misses any any shot that he'd be expected to score. Like it's it's like a it's like a riddle that isn't supposed to be solved. Um, but arguably he will go down as one of the greatest ever Premier League wingers. Yeah. Because of his stats and I think he deserves to. I think on his day he is unplayable. He's a mm-hmm. he's a great player and I'm a big fan. The stats back it, you know, he's got yeah. top five of most goals scored in 150 games in the Premier League, and he's doing it all from from a wing position. Mm-hmm. You know, he's cutting in and it, it's fantastic. But yeah, he does miss a lot of chances. Andy, my housemate, will always say that. He's like, I'm a Liverpool fan, but I'm really frustrated by how Mo Salah continually misses every opportunity that he gets. Mm-hmm. And then he'll score a worldie and he'll get the Puskas for a goal that shouldn't have won the Puskas. But that's a whole other debate. Um, but Liverpool, they're starting to look a bit more coherent, but coherent in a boring manner. And mm. I'm happy that the only boring manner I ever watch is Downton Abbey. So let's just keep Liverpool off my TV now. Oh, the jokes are the jokes are coming thick and fast today. I am in pain. Um, Josh has a couple of points here, Liverpool fan. He says, first thing he says is, I think Champions League football is extremely important for Liverpool as six times winners. Which I, I didn't even know they'd won six times. I have never heard a Liverpool fan say that before in my life. Uh, every win we get till the end of the season, we will overreact. Lol. Fair enough. And like I know I've you know this. If you listen to the podcast version, it does sound like I'm constantly having a go at Liverpool. I don't mean to. Just they just sometimes do my head in, right? And um, you got me on a bad day. You got me on a bad day. Okay, uh, that's all I can say. He also says Salah can still win the Golden Boot in an off season for Liverpool. That should be scary for other clubs looking at Liverpool next season. And I'm going to be flippant, and I'm going to say, unfortunately, Josh, Liverpool don't scare me for next season because they've proven that unless they're at full fitness and full strength, they are nowhere near the side that they usually are, and you cannot guarantee that everybody's going to be fit next season. I get it that, theoretically, they should be at full fitness next season. However, because they've looked like such a different team without one or two players at times. For me, it's difficult to be... Like, I'll tell you who I am scared of. Man City. I'm absolutely terrified of Man City. Their second team beats most first teams in the Premier League. Liverpool's second team is nowhere near it. And I think that's the big difference. Yes, I'm terrified Liverpool's... of Chelsea as well. Under Thomas Tuchel, like, that's a scarier side right now than any Liverpool side because not only are they scoring goals, but they're defending really well. And they've got a lot of players that can swap in and swap out. And so Liverpool don't scare me that much because their squad depth just isn't good enough at the moment. You lose your two main centre-backs, yes. If that happens to Man City, they lose Diaz and Stones. You have I'm Eric Laporte and Nathan Ake to put in there. Two experienced enough centre-backs. That's the difference of why I'm scared of Man City and I'm not scared of Liverpool. It's like I'm not scared of Man United, even though United are second. 
and United are unbeaten away from home this season, for some reason, I still think we could maybe get a result against them. City, the way, I, I would never, ever, because I'm like, whatever team they put out, like even the team they put out against Chelsea was a majority second string team. And I look at that side and I'm going, well, Newcastle wouldn't beat that. You know, no way. Liverpool, when they have their full strength team, are exceptional. And I want to say, I want to be clear, when see when Liverpool have a full strength first 11, oh my days, the football they play is like, it's so beautiful to watch. And they're a fantastic team at full strength. However, they're one of those teams that unless they're at full strength, they're just nowhere near the same level of threat. Now, I would say they showed a good manner of professionalism yesterday in getting that game and, and winning that game and kind, and kind of being very professional about their business and how they went through that game and handled Southampton. Um, and fair play to them, absolutely. You know, they, they did well. And it was kind of reminding me of when they won the league, they did go 1-0 down quite a lot and they managed to bring it back for a 2-1. And so they were very good at that. But like... Nah, I'm sorry. Just like Salah's doing well in an off season, I don't think is scary for other clubs because other clubs know that, you know, you know, it's like Harry Kane has got the most goals and assists this season, and Spurs have been crap. So, like, you know, that, that's that's yeah. really all I have to say. That's really all I have to say about yeah. it. I think this season again has been weird, though. All things considered, yeah. like Bruno, Bruno Fernandez is third in the in the charts, and like how many of those have been penalties? Like this season, the golden bit doesn't mean as much because it's been a really strange season. Harry Kane and Son are are two players in the top three again. So Fernandez and Son are are drawing, but between them they have thirty eight goals. Son and Kane, and they're they're seventh in the Premier League and have never looked looked good since January, do you know? Yeah. The Golden Boot is a is a weird one this year because there's a lot of goals going in and a lot of penalties being given and things like that. So yeah. Um Liverpool don't scare me that much. I also I really struggle to sympathize with Liverpool at the moment because as a Stoke fan, we've all season all season we've had at least ten of our first team players injured. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. But Stoke fans don't make the same fuss about it because we appreciate that that's football and that we're not we're not like owed anything. <laughs> Yesterday we played Bournemouth. We had eight youth players on the on the bench. Our cent- one of our centre backs was having his debut, uh, and t- 11 first team players were injured, and we won two 0 Like <laughs> we were buzzing because we won two 0 It meant nothing, and we've been so average since after the 17th game of the season when we were second sitting in second. Injuries happen in football, yeah. and yes, it makes a big difference, but it's part of the game. It happens at all levels, Premier League, Championship, League One and League Two, and below. Below is even worse. Um, but Liverpool fans need to grow a set and just get over it, because yeah. that's what happens in, in football. You don't see Stoke fans outraged and saying, oh, we would have won the Championship had we had all our players. We're realistic in saying we've been bad this season because of injuries. We go again next season. Oh. It's also okay to be bad in a season because of injuries. It is like genuinely, it's actually a good way to be like, okay, well, it's, this season's a bit of a write off actually because we're really unlucky with injuries. Um, the fact that you're even, the fact that you're even close to Champions League qualification, and yet you've played so poorly, should not be, like if you don't get Champions, if Liverpool don't get Champions League places, 
they shouldn't there shouldn't be complaints because the way they've been playing this season, they've they've had almost no right to be where they are. Like you know, it's like Spurs, Spurs fans, but like they accept they were crap for the majority of the season, and so they're like, yeah, well, we we don't deserve Champions League. You know, if Leicester don't get Champions League, they'll probably recognise that they bottled it and were overachieving. You know, it's it's things like that. But look, that's that's kind of where things are at the moment. I think tomorrow night will probably confirm that West Brom and Fulham will also be going down. I'm pretty sure Arsenal are winning 2-1. 3-1 now? Williams just scored apparently a cracker. Who, sorry? William. Oh, wow, Williams scored a goal. I know, that's how bad West Brom are. Um, so, West Brom are going down tonight, confirmed. Fulham need to win tomorrow. Uh, but that's pretty much the Premier League. Like, There's nothing else to play for apart from Champions League places. Yeah, there were a lot of, of other games this weekend. Like Leeds beat Tottenham. Fair play to them. Leeds at the moment are just trying to push on. If you listen to the podcast, bonus content, um, you'll see that I, I maybe don't like Leeds. Um, <laughs> and maybe address that in, in the intro. So feel free to check us out in Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. But yeah, Leeds beat Tottenham in a very professional job. Uh, they just did everything well. Tottenham should feel harshly done by for the Harry Kane offside. Really harsh. Oh. Like really like that's an Arsenal yeah. level of harsh decision. Um VAR hopefully will be addressed in the summer. I think it needs to be yes, it's making some right decisions, but it, it's it's crap <laughs> at times, which is really annoying. Uh, but yeah, so Leeds did a professional job there. Wolves managed to win today against Brighton despite the fact that they were one 0 down. Brighton looked solid. Dunk got sent off for a silly challenge. And then Adama Traore pulled off his one good moment of the season. I will clarify, he's played 34 games this season, scored two goals and got two assists. He is the most overhyped player in all of world football, and I will not hear any differently. Yes, he had a good season last season because Raul Jimenez is a good striker that can get his head on the ball. But this season, he has showed that he is a terrible winger, terrible player that Tony Pulis... <laughs> Brought about, and he is to be hated for that. Barcelona rejected him, rightfully so. If they ever brought him back, I would be disgusted. It'd be like that time De LFA was sold by Barcelona, brought back to play reserve football, and then let go again. It would be pointless. Adama Traore does not deserve praise, despite the fact that he scored a wonderful goal today. That's my piece of Adama Traore. I will hear nothing else. Two goals, two assists, all season. Shocking. Very, very passionate from Mr. Doug Sherwin. Um, interestingly, another. Fun, fun stat for you all. Lewis Dunk is the only player in the Premier League to be sent off more than once this season. There you go. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. He's also the He's third a... player to score and get sent off in the game this season, too. Yes. There you go. Static lick over here. If, if you want more stats, only uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, and United have got more points in the last five games than Newcastle. Just want to point that out. Just want to you know that Sorry, we, Joe, are... we only actually care about relevant stats. So uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Right. we're going to do that one. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the kind of the Premier League wrapped up. However, while the title race is over in England, I'll tell you right now the title race is not over in Espanol. Espanya, I ever said. <laughs> yeah, Espanol are just the team in Spain. Over there either. But look, you are the resident La Liga expert. Uh 
chat everybody through what's going on there because it is kind of nuts. It is it is mental over there. It really is. It really is kind of nuts, especially considering the fact that Sevilla are currently beating Real Madrid, which just adds to the fact. So obviously, if you're listening on on Monday as a podcast, this will be you know weird to listen to, but. If you're here live right now, this is chaos because what this means is currently, um, yeah, Real Madrid are losing. They had a chance tonight. It's 1-0 at halftime. They had a chance tonight to go top of the table with a win. They've got 45 minutes to get two goals to turn that around. Atletico Madrid are top on 77 points. Three games to go. Barcelona are second. 75 points. Three games to go. Real Madrid are currently third on 74 points. So one behind Barca, three behind Atletico with three games to go. And Sevilla are now on 73 points if the result stays the same. This title race is ridiculous. There's a good gap then between fourth and fifth. But with three games to go, there's four points potentially separating the top four. But what makes the La Liga interesting is that it doesn't go down to goal difference. (laughs) Barcelona's goal difference is 47 bigger much bigger than the rest but it goes down to head to head which i, I, I kind of like i kind of like yeah, it because it means like real madrid if real madrid were to win tonight they go on 77 points but they would be top of the league even with less goal difference than atletico madrid because their head to head record this season is better if it came down to real madrid and barca real madrid would be top of the league because they beat Barcelona twice in La Liga. (laughs) It's disgusting. It is exciting, though. It's really exciting. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, we saw Barcelona against Atletico Madrid, a game that was potentially going to decide the title. Um, A draw favoured Real Madrid big time. A win for Barca would put them top. A win for Atletico Madrid puts them a few points clear of Barca and really helps them with their, their race against Real Madrid. What happened was an entertaining game, a game in which Jan Black played very well, a game in which Ter Stegen did a thorough job, a game in which Messi tried to orchestrate things, but Griezmann didn't look lively. Pedri played a bad game. De Jong had to go back because Busquets got injured. Neither wing back for Borussia really got into it. It, was an, it wasn't a great performance. Suarez had no game, a okay game for Atletico. It was a tense game, though. There was a few chances towards the end that could have changed the game. Ultimately, finished nil-nil, meaning that that's how the table stands at the moment. If Real Madrid and Sevilla finish the way that it is currently, the title race is crazy. The title race is, it has been all season. Atletico were 12 points clear at one stage. The fact that they're they're not champions yet is is ridiculous. Um, But it is an exciting league right now to be watching. Real Madrid arguably have the hardest run in out of the big three. Um, Not ruling Sevilla out, but I'm also ruling Sevilla out. Four points to make up on Atletico Madrid, I don't think, is is overly doable. Um, Barcelona play the likes of Ibar, who aren't great, and Levante, who aren't great. Um, Real Madrid have a a tough enough game against the Yellow Submarines, the world's most average team in the Europa League, Villarreal, but not an easy game, as as Arsenal found out midweek. So if you want to watch some really exciting football, check out La Liga for three games left in the season. Some really interesting ties, some twists and turns are guaranteed because this season has been chaotic but a really good league to be watching at the moment very like france as well but i'm not as much of an expert on that but so fair play to lille i've just looked up league on 
while you were talking about La Liga because I thought mm, it's pretty somewhere over there. Let me give you a live update right now. Great. So PSG are currently playing. It's half time. They're playing Ren. It's nil nil. If the game stays nil nil, oh wait, they've just scored. They've literally just scored. Wow, that's so sad. Like they've mm-hmm. honestly, I'm not even lying. They've literally just scored there now. Uh, who scored? Neymar scored a penalty on the 45th plus six uh, minute. So anyway, even if it stays one 0 to PSG, Leiler top with two two games to go for everyone. Leiler top on 79 points. PSG are second on 78 points. Monaco are third with 74 points. And Leon are fourth with 73 points. So, yeah, what what, what we're looking at is uh, a pretty mental run-in. PSG have two pretty easy games. Um, let me just see. Lille have two pretty easy games as well. So we could be seeing a Lille win in the league. We could. Yeah, an interesting one for Lille is obviously they sold Pepe to Arsenal last season mm. uh, for 70 million, replaced him with Victor Oshiman, Oshiman, or however you say his name. Um, they replaced him with him for about 25 million, which looked a good piece of business. And they managed to sell him last summer there for around 70 million again. So Lille mm-hmm. brought in, you know, 100, 115 million in profit just there with their attack force this season they have Yilmaz has come in on a free transfer <laughs> and is firing them for the league title Lille if they were to win the league should be heralded as fantastic they should be applauded for the fact that they've made such a big profit on on a few players and managed to beat you know money happy and um, it would be a very impressive feat for Lille Pochettino hasn't done a great job there <laughs> it would be poor from him not big um but also shouldn't be looked at too much because he hasn't been there for the full season obviously um next season will be a lot more interesting to see what happens there so there, there was your uh, european roundup you're welcome um just thought it was good to highlight that because whilst the kind of league's dead it won't look dead but it's pretty much sorted here there's some unbelievable, like, I don't think we've ever seen title races quite like it. Uh, and I think last time we saw that was when City and Liverpool went right down to the final day two years ago. So just want to highlight that. But that is our Sunday show. Um, what a great time, as always, to be chatting all about the football. This week, the midweek show is on Thursday because there's so much football on that we have to wait until Liverpool play United, if they do play United, because apparently the fans are going to protest again. So that'll be interesting. But look, thank you for joining me. Thank you for getting me through this Sunday evening and chatting all about football. My absolute pleasure. It's been it's been great to chat football. Hopefully everybody listening has enjoyed it. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow on all the lovely social medias. Mm. Check out the podcast on all podcast platforms. Um, and yeah, it's been a pleasure, guys. Comment, send us messages on Twitter. Not DMs, that's weird. Send just like tweet us, tweet us. That's tweet the word. Tweet me at, at @stadoj with anything you want to hear, or you know, Instagram, whatever. I don't know what you want to do, but we would love to hear from you because at the end, they want this to be an interactive show. And 
as I've mentioned the podcast before as well. If you want to go to the podcast pages, give us a five-star rating on Apple, follow us on Spotify, and get your questions in for the mailbag because that's the most relaxed part of the shows where we just sit and answer your questions. But we really appreciate the support so far. This is our wee baby, and it's going to keep hopefully growing. Plenty of reactions, um, and who knows, might even go live during the Champions League final. So We might do. That would be exciting. We'll but we'll see. It's been a pleasure, guys. Maybe in nine months' time, we'll, you know, we'll birth something exciting. But um, who knows? It's been great. Joe, for some reason, Google over here, my Google Home thing has decided to pick up on you. But uh, it's been a pleasure. We'll, we'll go see what he's after um, over here. Um, and we'll chat with you guys on Thursday night. See you there. Perfect. See you there. Straight after the United game. Quarter past ten. And that was our show. Wow. Uh, I, I must say. <laughs> I, I just can't believe we're in the scenario where Liverpool might actually get top four, to be honest. Um, but anyway, there were our thoughts. We hope you enjoyed. But before we do go, look, what are you getting up to this week? Mark Joe, I'll be honest with you. I don't have an awful lot to do this week. Um, obviously, I've got work, as always, nine to five each day. Um, but I have some reading to do for that as well that'll probably do outside of work uh i will be playing football on monday night yeah again probably eight or nine mm. aside which would be great um i will then be here again on thursday night for restream i'll probably see a few friends on tuesday and wednesday before heading home to bangor on friday uh, for a bit of our youth club um so that'll be my week really and then football again on saturday so it's a pretty mm. chill week just working seeing some friends should be a good time what about you joe any plans I have my exam on Tuesday. Once I get that, I'll probably uh, collapse and cry. Great. Um, I then have a meeting for my dissertation on Wednesday. And nice. I, that's another going through the first draft, adding changes. Um, and then just studying the rest of the week. I'm actually going home on Saturday for the day after our football because it's my grandpa's birthday. So we're having a barbecue. Hopefully the weather will hold up. So it'll be nice. Hopefully. Uh, but I'll just be through the day because I need to get back up because I've got another exam next Tuesday. So basically, the fun never, ever stops in maths. So uh, so and basically that, and there's loads of football on, so I'll be keeping tabs on Thursday. Um, so there's that. But there's talks that the uh, United game on Thursday could be halted again by protests. Oh, so really? I haven't heard that, actually. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll need to see what happens there. But any thoughts about the Premier League football this week? What's coming up? Any of that stuff? I think it's a massive week um, in determining a lot of things, which is exciting. But mm. um, I think the Liverpool-United game, obviously, is the biggest one. And if it doesn't go ahead, that that's massive. But if it does go ahead and Liverpool were to win, then they've got a real chance. But if they were to lose, then... United fans will start to be like, what if City lose all the other next three games? We can do it. And I think that would be funny because then that would set them all up for massive disappointment. (laughs) Well, that's fair enough. Um, Yeah, I don't really have many thoughts, to be honest. I just think by tomorrow night, 
all three teams will be relegated, so that'll be nice. Really, the only thing that will be left to determine Champions League places, Europa League places, and the Europa League B Tech. Um, so we'll have that to discuss, but that will be for Thursday night's podcast. We'll be back. Well, it'll be Friday morning for you guys, probably, but we'll be back live on YouTube and Facebook immediately after Liverpool versus Man United or Man United versus Liverpool on Thursday night. And then the podcast version for you, lovely, lovely podcast listeners, will be up by Friday morning. So you'll have that to get you started into your weekend. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for all your support. If you have any questions for the mailbag, you can tweet me, send me a DM on Twitter or Instagram, at StadoJew on Instagram, at StadoJ on Twitter. Or, of course, there's always the email address, StadoJew0 at gmail.com. Luke, thank you so much for joining me. No, thank you for having me, Joe. No, you're you're always so welcome. You know that you make my job twice as easy because you're here. You're uh, right. We will I do know that. You do. But we will see you all on Thursday night slash Friday morning. Have a good week, guys. Bye. See you then. <laughs>